Welcome to the For Men Only podcast, where we want to encourage, instruct, and challenge you to be the best man you can become. Hi guys, this is Dr. Adam Hero, and it's my privilege to share with you on For Men Only today. Uh, You know, we're always wanting to just share something that can build us up, make us the men we're supposed to be. And when I was asked to share this time around, the first thing that dropped into my, my heart, into my mind, was the topic of idolatry. Now, this is a huge topic in Scripture and something that I, I've meditated on and, and searched through the Scriptures on in a number of occasions. But I just want to focus on some classic passages and, and just bring them to light, connect them together, and hopefully see what it is that idolatry is for us in our lives, because I think most of us can can say, well, I don't have any idols, right? There's no, there's no statue in my closet that I go bow down before. I don't make offerings to these things. But probably most of us do know by now that idols can be really anything that we allow to take God's place, right? And that can be a whole host of things even in the 21st century, even here in North America, right? It can be our sports, it can be our hobbies, it can be sex, it can be our jobs, it can be even our families. Good good things can replace God. We can value them, we can honor them above our creator, above the one that we're, we tell ourselves that we worship and we serve. So, an idol is literally something that we make and we attribute with God status, right? We give it that place, whether by directly saying that this is my God, this is what I'm going to worship, or we simply begin to reverence it, to give it that place that only God is due. Obviously, In the Old Testament, we're familiar with the Ten Commandments, right? You shall not make any idols, nothing made, you know, that looks like anything that's in the heavens or on earth or things below the earth. We get that. That's that's commandment number two. But uh, the children of Israel, they knew the commandments, and yet they fell into idolatry over and over and over again. And it's a big theme throughout the history books of the Old Testament. It's a big theme. Uh, here and there in the Psalms, we're going to see that. And also for the prophets as they speak to Israel and basically say, are you joking? How can you devote worship to these lifeless things? This just doesn't make sense. Are you that foolish? And I think as we read these scriptures together, you know, just allow the Holy Spirit to touch those areas of your life, of your heart, and let him put his finger on things that are maybe being given too much attention, being given a priority that is getting out of place. So let's just look, as I say, at a a few classic passages. Psalm 115 verses 4 to 8 says, starting in verse 4, that their idols are silver and gold the work of human hands. They have no mouths. Sorry. (laughs) They do have mouths, but they don't speak. 
They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they don't feel. They have feet, but they don't walk. And they, don't, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them, look at this. Those who make them become like them. And so do all who trust in them. So that was Psalm 115 verses 4 through 8. And there's lots packed in there, right? But always when I look at these passages, that last line, verse 8, those who make idols, those who trust in them, those who give these things a place above and beyond the place that God is trying to occupy. They're occupying his, his place in our lives, in our hearts. What does it say? The person who makes these things becomes like them. So just to highlight, what are they like, right? It says they have mouths that don't speak. So in other words, they're dumb, right? They have no voice. That's a huge one. It says they have eyes, but they do not see. They're blind. It says they have ears, but they do not hear. They're deaf. And then it just basically talks about their impotence, right? They have hands, they have feet, they have all of these things that look like a body, but they can't move, they can't feel, they're insensitive. Now, right at the beginning, it says that they are silver, they are gold, and, and we know that that was actually materials that they used to build idols, representations of whatever they, the pagans thought gods looked like. But of course, we know that money itself, the pursuit of riches, our careers, our, our desire for greater and greater comfort and convenience, silver and gold, right, can be in and of itself a god, an idol to us. And that's something we need to watch out for. But again, it says it here in Psalm 115. You could jump to Psalm 135 in verses 15 to 18. And it says almost the exact same thing as this. There's just a couple little differences in there. And at the end, in verse 18, it gives that same straightforward statement. Those who make them become like them, so do all who put their trust in them. In other words, whenever our trust gets focused on our career, our resources, whenever our source of pleasure, our desires is not on God and God-oriented things, then ultimately we are setting ourselves up for becoming less and less sensitive, less and less powerful, less We'll have less and less of a voice. We'll be able to perceive, see, hear less and less and less. And I, I don't know about you, but I do not want to live that sort of a life. I don't want to be blind, deaf, dumb, impotent, insensitive, just basically a frozen, inanimate, useless object. That That's really a word that kept resounding in me as I read these passages, that these things are useless. Let's look at a couple of the prophets and what they have to say about this. Jeremiah, in chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, says, A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold, and they fasten it with hammer and nails so that it cannot move. 
just funny to think about. It's like, okay, this is our God. This is what we're going to worship. Let's tack it in place. Make sure it doesn't fall over. It can't go anywhere. Verse 5, their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, nor is it in them to do good. In other words, obviously, the people in ancient times, they would fall down and they would worship and they would cry out to these supposed gods and, and they would you know, be in fear of them, the judgments they could bring and, and what they could do to their crops and to their children and to their nation. And the prophet's just pointing out how ridiculous is this? This is something you make with your hands and you're afraid of it. It can't do you any good and it can't do you any harm. It's just useless. It's, it's ridiculous, this whole thing. It's like a scarecrow in a cucumber field. I love that picture, right? Another one of the prophets, Habakkuk, in chapter 2, and I'm looking at verses 18 to 20, says, What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in its own creation, when he makes speechless idols. Look at that. that. There's that focus again. It's a speechless, a dumb idol. It can't talk. It can't express anything. It's dumb. And, and that, that line before that, though, really hit me. It says, for its maker trusts in his own creation. Isn't that such a reversal of the reality that we're supposed to live? We created beings. We are God's creation. And as Christians, we're new creations, right? We are children of God. We're supposed to trust in our creator. The created trusts the creator. Here, when, when you're doing idol worship, idol idolatrous activity, that gets reversed. And what happens is the very things you make and you are able to do, you begin to place your trust in them. It's a reversal. It's, it's out of place. It's twisted. And look at what it says in verse 19. We're in Habakkuk chapter 2. It says, Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake! To a silent stone, Arise! Can this teach? Behold, it's overlaid with gold and silver, and there's no breath in it at all. And look what it says in verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Wow, it's, it's like, okay, we're, we're seeing how useless, how impotent these things that the nations trust in, these things that we can trust in, again, our careers, the government, our families, whatever it is, things that we create, that we think we can control. We are the creator of these things. We, we sustain them and we begin to trust in them. But when we begin to lack in strength and wisdom and ability, how can we trust in the things that we make? We can't. We need to trust in something greater, higher, the Lord who is in heaven. And when I read that in verse 20, but the Lord is in his, in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. It's not that he's silent. It's not that he is a dumb idol like the, the idols of the nations. It's that we, the created ones, should come in 
humble reverence and awe before him, we keep silent, not because we're dumb, although we do dumb things sometimes, right, man? But we are supposed to start not with a self-asserting attitude, not with a look what I have made. Isn't it glorious? Isn't it wonderful? Look at this. Honor me. Honor the works of my hands. No, we come before our creator and we recognize who he is. We come to his holy temple. We come to worship. We gather as a church. And first and foremost, our attitude is one of submission, of silence, I I mean, we're a church that loves loud expression, but there's a time and a place to just humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and, and be quiet. And, you know, this is echoed again in Ecclesiastes. Chapter five, in the first couple of verses, it talks about the attitude that we're supposed to have when we approach God. It says, Ecclesiastes 5, 1 and 2, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near, to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they don't know that what they are doing is evil. Don't be rash with your mouth. Let your heart not be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. So this is an interesting thing, and you might be like, okay, how does this all tie together? What we find ourselves talking about, praising, lifting up, drawing attention to, as I said before, look what I did. Isn't this great? You know, just the things that excite us that we can go on and on and on about. I mean, They say that guys don't talk. Uh, You bring up a topic that a guy's interested in, we have no problem talking. It's just we maybe don't want to talk about our feelings or about, you know, what we did today. But talk about something we love and we'll talk your ear off, right? So what are we supposed to be doing here? We're supposed to be drawing here, not with rash words this is the idea that we can boast in the presence of God or we can we can promise lots of things like yes God I'm going to do this for you I'm going to do that for you know Jesus of course has a lot to say to us about our words and how we should not be rash with our words either they fit right into what's found here in Ecclesiastes he says you know don't don't swear oaths by what's in heaven or anything of that nature. Just let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Like just straightforward, simple, right? But why are, why are we hitting on all of this? Because when we, when we begin to boast, when we begin to draw attention to the work of our hands, it reflects really on where our trust is. So it's better to come in. It's better to recognize the Lord for who he is and for him to take that central place once again. And we recognize that he is creator. We are the created. We are the ones to trust in him, not in the things that we make. Amen. Now, talking about this, I don't want to leave you thinking that, okay, well, I guess I don't want to be an idol maker. I don't want to just be blabbing on on the things that I make and do and who I am. 
then I guess I, I just be quiet, right? I, I'll be the strong, silent type, as has historically been a role model that a lot of us probably picked up on. You know, that guys are strong, they're silent, they, they don't have to talk a lot. But, you know, we are, as men of God, supposed to have a voice. Remember, we don't want to become like these empty things that we worship, these things that don't have life in and of themselves. Yes, you know, the success that we have in life, yes, the blessings that we have in life, yes, our jobs, yes, these talents and giftings that we have, they're from God. But if you look at them as a source, they, they won't be able to provide you with that life. Only the Lord can do that. But when we go to him and we have the correct heart of worship and, and we recognize him and we center our life around him, then we will not end up deaf, dumb, blind, lifeless, impotent. We will find ourselves seeing new things, hearing new things, understanding new things by the spirit of God, because we're now communing on a spiritual level and not just a natural level. Idolatry will bind you to a natural lower denominator that eventually will, will that energy, that life will dry up. It will, it will be tapped out. But when you tap into God, all of a sudden, who you're meant to be really comes alive once again. You know, we don't have time today to get into a whole study of this. But when you look at what happens when the Spirit of God comes on the scene, how he operates. You know, a great few chapters of Scripture to look at is 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Those three chapters, 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, are, are basically a reversal of what, you know, we see with this picture of idolatry making us deaf, dumb, and blind, impotent. This is showing that the Spirit of God, when we truly have the Spirit of God, we're going to see things, we're going to hear things, we're going to be able to speak things that are supernatural. Why? Because we're no longer building our own kingdom, our own image of God, but we are basically allowing God to use us as his vessel here on the earth. Just look at a couple of quick verses out of those passages, and I encourage you this week and in the weeks to come to, to go to these three chapters, read them through, Understand that they fit together. Yes, I know that the Apostle Paul is addressing, you know, some, some things that were getting out of whack in the early church here, and he's correcting. But just listen to what it says about the previous life that was led astray by idols, but now we are a people that speak by the Spirit of God, that hear in the Spirit, that see in the Spirit, that can do mighty works in the Spirit. He says here in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that you were pagans who were led astray by mute idols, 
however you were led. And continuing on, it says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You see this dynamic here. It's saying when you were living according to your own idols, these things that the world puts value in, the things that you you know, you were brought up to, to cherish and to venerate, those things are going to lead you into a life where you are going to curse God. You're, you do not have the Spirit of God. You're living for your own idols in your own ways. So, you know, if you have the Spirit of God, that's not what it's supposed to look like. You're supposed to have a spirit that everything you do and say echoes the lordship of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. That's what happens is that your voice comes back. You're no longer having this dead voice that is an echo that is slowly disappearing that, that has no lasting power, but you have a spirit-empowered voice that through what you say, through what you do, through your life, through your activity in church, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is going to join in this powerful expression of the Lordship of Christ. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And then it gets into this whole talk about how the Spirit gives these different gifts. And, and then he talks about the body in many parts of the same body. Isn't it interesting? These, these idolatry passages that we looked at, it looked like it, it spoke about humans taking inanimate materials, wood and gold and silver, and fashioning them into this body that is lifeless. But here we see that the Spirit of God comes on animate people that are born of the Spirit of God, and he puts us together as a united body. He's the head. We are the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears. And look at all of those items. Just read it through. Chapter 12 and, you know, verses 14 and on, for example, it speaks about feet, hands, ears, eyes. It's basically talking about all the things that the idols have that don't do anything. You have, and they're supposed to be functioning by the Spirit of God. But it's a reversal of this whole idolatry thing. We get the idols out of the way. We put God back in his place. We allow the Spirit of God to dwell in us. And all of a sudden, we have eyes to see. We have ears to hear. We are, our hand, we're, we're moving. We're powerful. Miracles, wonders are happening. This is all in there. And, you know, love's right in the middle of these passages. You can see that. And I just want to jump right to chapter 14, and here we'll wrap up. Is that, you know, he's talking about tongues and prophecy and all of this, but I love this image that he uses. He talked about clanging cymbals and gongs in chapter 13, and he continues with those sort of musical metaphors in chapter 14. And he says, in chapter 14, verse 7, if even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes. How will anyone know what is played? Verse 8, and if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? There's a great verse to end on, right? 
uh, I'm sure you guys are like me and you love those warfare sort of references. I mean, it's nice to talk about warfare and peaceful Canada. I don't know if I'd really like to be in a war, but we are in a spiritual war. And this is the point, is that if we can truly trash our idols, get them out of the way, things that promise lot and lots and deliver little to nothing, and eventually suck the life out of us, make us deaf, dumb, and blind. If we can get those things and put them in the place that they, they belong to, put God back on the throne in our lives, his spirit indwelling us, joining us together with his body, then what? We are going to be expressing the lordship of Christ through all that we say, through all that we do, and it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be like this masterfully written and conducted music that God is trying to release in the earth. And not just that, we're going to be a body that is fully equipped to engage with the conflicts that come our way individually, corporately, as a church you know, here in our congregations and around the world, that when we speak, it won't be a confusing, muttering, mixed up sort of a sound that everybody's kind of, you know, th this is the thing about idolatry. It makes us blind. It makes us confused. It, it doesn't allow us to see and hear clearly. So when people speak and their, their lives are still confused between truly serving God or, or just serving their idols and their own pursuits then the sound is unclear and nobody really knows what to do what to do and the music is lost but when we truly give ourselves to God and he empowers and fills us by his spirit as a people there's going to be this beautiful expression of his lordship and when it's time to fight there's going to be clear signals there's going to be clear directions and the spirit it will all have ears to hear and eyes to see what he's doing so i don't know about you that encourages me to reevaluate my life and say lord strip away the things that i trust in that i've made with my own hands lord i thank you that I, I don't trust in what I create or the life that I've made or anything like that. I trust in you who have created me. You are my God. You're in heaven and here I am on earth. I get quiet. I go into my secret place, that closet, that, that prayer place, whatever that looks like. And I say, Lord, speak to me, fill me and make me once again your image-bearing child on the earth and, and help me to find my place in the church, in your body. Help me to move forward. God, I don't want to become deaf, dumb, and blind. I want to become somebody with, Lord, the ability to see, to hear, and to do mighty things in the name of Jesus. I bless you guys. Hopefully that wasn't too long, but I'm sure you'll get something out of that. Go meditate on those scriptures and tune in next time for another Four Men Only. God bless. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Share it with a friend or a family member and get the word out there. If you would like some more content, please join our Facebook page, Four Men Only, 
or subscribe to the newsletter, which is on the Faith Alive Family Church's website, fasc.ca, and click the link. Now let's become the men God has called us to be.